Bibles to the book of Ephesians to chapter 6. Book of Ephesians and in chapter 6, our subject is saints and the armor of God. Saints and the armor of God. We'll read in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through verse 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. I'll point out the first word in verse 10, where Paul says, finally, finally. We know that he is bringing this letter this epistle to the saints at Ephesus to a close. And what is stated here in verse 10, really through verse 24, is the end of the letter. He has brought it to an end. Beginning, I'll mention this in chapter 5. Beginning in chapter 5, Paul is giving instructions concerning Christian living. He is giving instructions in those verses concerning Christian duty and Christian responsibility. While we here at Central Baptist Church stand for the doctrines of grace, the sovereignty of God, we also believe in duty and responsibility. We should never preach or teach one at the expense of the other. Both are included in the Word of God. And since all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, one teaching is just as important as the other. Again, in the first part of the book of Ephesians, you have very strong doctrine. But then he shifts to duty and and to responsibility. We have Paul's words here, in beginning in verse 10, concerning the armor of God. He brings this up at the close of the epistle. Again, it is a duty and a responsibility, as he says in verse 10, for saints of God, especially those of the household of God, to put on the whole armor of God. I'll mention it here, and we'll probably mention it later in the message. This is something that we individually must do. This is not something God does for us. It's something that we must do. Again, in the first part of the epistle, he tells what God has done for us. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places 
according as he hath chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He lays out what God has done for us. But I find it very interesting that he closes out the epistle by telling us what we must do for ourselves. I'll say again in verse 11, God does not put the whole armor of God upon us. It's something that we must do for ourselves. The instruction is put on the whole armor of God. That's my duty. That's your duty. It's the saints of God's duty. And I'll say again, especially those in the Lord's churches, put on the whole armor of God. You'll notice in verse 11, you'll find the word stand. Stand. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? Well, you won't be able to stand against the wiles of the devil without it. I'm going to mention this. Lord willing, I'll mention more about it next week. When a church is without a pastor, it is at its weakest point. It is the most vulnerable then when you are without a pastor. Let every member here put on the armor of God Enable, or rather in order, that you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Satan will attack, seek to infiltrate a church without a pastor. Just keep that in mind. In verse 11, you have the word stand. Then if you look on down to verse 13 and verse 14, you find the word withstand and the word stand once again. We must individually in this church must be able to stand, but not only to stand, to withstand. That indicates something's going to come at you. Something's going to attack. And you must be able to not only stand, but to withstand what is coming. Put on the whole armor of God. Again, duty and responsibility. I want you to notice in verse 12, Paul said there that we wrestle. We wrestle. Wrestling is a one-on-one -on -one contact event. You cannot wrestle from a distance. This is face-to-face -face wrestling. Notice in verse 12, you'll find the word against five times. Five times in one verse, he uses the word against. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we could say we wrestle against 
principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That is what we wrestle against. That is what you are going to have to wrestle against. In order to do that, you must have this armor of God. Again, this is something that is important and should not be neglected. It should not be thought little of. As Paul closes this out in verse 10, when he says, finally, he is saying, here's my, where I'm bringing everything to a conclusion in this epistle. And here's what my final instructions to you are. That ought to indicate to us this is something important. It's not something to be overlooked. I'll mention again in verse 12, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Our battles, our warfare, our wrestling, these are not physical contacts or conflicts. Keep in mind that our conflict is not with human foes. Satan may use them, but our adversary is the devil. Never overlook that. Peter told us that very Clearly, your adversary, the devil, 1 Peter 5, 8. The devil is not omnipresent. Keep that in mind. Only God is omnipresent. Satan can be in only one place at one time. But he has many demons up under him that he uses. And those can be very effectual if the saints of God are not equipped and prepared for what is coming. Again, it's a hard lesson to learn that our enemy, our foe, is not human beings, it's spiritual in nature. And it will come at the people of God in that manner. The enemies with which we must wrestle are spiritual in nature. They are not human, but spiritual beings. But yet they are very powerful. In order for us to be effectual, win the battles, win the conflicts, win the warfare, we must have superhuman strength. We cannot rely upon our own strength. Verse 10 of our reading, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. My strength, your strength is not sufficient for these wrestling matches. Just not sufficient for the foes that are going to 
come up on us. We need spiritual armor for the spiritual battles and spiritual warfare. We must have the, the strength of the Lord in verse 10 and the power of His might. Again, I'll point you to verse 11. Immediately after saying what He stated in verse 10, He said, put on the whole armor of God, and then He has a purpose clause that begins with that little word, that. You could understand that as in order that. Put on the whole armor of God. And I'm not going to go through the various pieces of the armor of God. You can look at that for yourself. But it's not to be piecemeal, but the whole armor of God. In order that, you may be able to stand. Surely anyone with just a little bit of logic and reasoning and understanding could read that and say, I'm not going to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil if I do not do this. If I do not do this. Again, we wrestle not, in verse 12, against flesh and blood. In the battles and in the warfare that is facing every child of God, that faces every child of God, you understand, I hope, that our weapons are not carnal but spiritual because it is a spiritual warfare. It is a spiritual battle. In our text, when it says there be strong in the Lord, in the original, it actually simply means continue in this strength of the Lord. Continue in this strength of the Lord. When you were regenerated, quickened by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God dwells in you. There is a strength that is given unto you by the Lord. But continue in it. Don't give it up. Don't give it up. But he's indicating to us the only way to continue in this strength of the Lord is put on the whole armor of God. I'll mention this. I mentioned it before on many occasions. God does not give grace today for tomorrow's needs. He gives grace today for today's needs. And the same is true about strength. He gives us strength today for the conflicts that we have today, for, for our needs today. He'll give us strength tomorrow for what we're going to face tomorrow. But it's day by day, and we seek this, this daily. Look back in the Old Testament, if you would, to Deuteronomy. To Deuteronomy in chapter 33, and in verse 25, I just want to read a phrase at the latter part of this verse that indicates what I am speaking of. In Deuteronomy in chapter 33 and in verse 25, the last phrase in that verse, as thy days 
so shall thy strength be. Even as we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Let us also pray, give us strength for today, for the problems we're going to face today. Let us and you as a church, after I leave, pray for this. Lord, give us grace today for what we need today, strength today for what we need today, guidance today for what we need today. We don't worry so much about tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We know we have the need today. Day by day, daily strength for daily conflicts. Daily strength for the daily attacks of the enemy. In verse 10 and in verse 11, and I'll also say verse 12, we have the reason, I'll say again, for the whole armor of God. If you look at verse 10 and verse 11, and I won't read it again, but then you notice the first word in verse 12. For, which couldn't be understood as because. Here's the enemy. Here's the enemy. Here's what we wrestle against. Here's what you will wrestle against. And it is the enemies that God's people will face. And you've heard me say this before. The number one rule of any battle or warfare, whether it's in the between nations, military conflict, no matter what it may be, the number one rule, if you're going to be successful, is know your enemy. Know your enemy. The saints of God need to know their enemies. And look at it in verse 12. Now we're told immediately what is not our enemy. What we're not going to be in conflict with, we're not going to wrestle against, but we're also told who and what the enemy is. It's principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. The rulers of the darkness of this world. When you read this, it would be good not to think of world leaders and kings, presidents, prime ministers, whatever they may be. It's good not to even have that in your mind because we're told that it's a spiritual battle and our enemy is spiritual. And our enemy might use such people as those, but you have to go behind them. Where's the motivating force? Our adversary is the devil. Our adversary is the devil. Our adversaries are not so much the political leaders of this world. It's the rulers of the kingdom of Satan. 
the rulers of the kingdom of Satan. Look at what it says. The rulers of the darkness of this world. Spiritual wickedness. That's our enemy. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Literally, you could understand that if I understand the meaning of the words here. It's wicked spirits. Legions of bands of wicked spirits in high places. There's the enemy. There's the enemy. Look what is written in the book of Mark. In the book of Mark and in chapter 5. Mark and in chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 1 through verse 9. Mark 5 and in verse 1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Now, Sometimes when you read this word worship, it does not necessarily mean spiritual worship as we do here. And sometimes it just means falling on your face before someone. He cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. I just want you to notice that. We are many. We are many. My name is Legion. There are many legions, bands of wicked spirits in this world. And they are about the business of their master, their ruler of darkness, the devil. I recount times where Janice and I were in Thailand and up in remote places. I remember one time in particular we just pulled into a village we'd never been to before, never had entered, never thought of before. We pulled in there, and immediately when we got out of the vehicle, you could feel a coldness in that village. Over there, those that who are animists try to appease the evil spirits. They have poles up with little strips of cloth on their house and it indicates I'm a spirit worshiper. Every house in that village had one. And it was the, in the middle of heat, summertime, 
it was the coldest place I'd ever been. There was just a feeling there that I cannot explain. It was wickedness. It was evil spirits that could almost be felt. It's a, one of the strangest feelings that you'll ever experience. There are evil spirits that are active in this world. Again, the devil is not omnipresent, but there are legions. There are legions. As the evil spirit here said in verse 9, we are many. Don't ever underestimate that. We are many. The evil spirit. Look in the book of John, chapter 13. In John chapter 13, I'll just point this out. In some of the places where you think you would be safe from the wiles of the devil, even in assemblies such as this, the devil can be very active. Satan can put thoughts in your mind that you should not have in a worship service. He can enter into this assembly and work among us. How do I know that? In the upper room, as the Lord was meeting with his church, as they had observed the Passover, as Jesus would and did institute the Lord's Supper, you realize the devil was in their midst, in that upper room. It almost seems impossible. He could infiltrate such a sacred meeting there with Jesus and his church, having the Lord's Supper for the very first time. But look at John 13 and verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas his carrot, Simon's son, to betray him. If you look down to verse 27, it says, After the sop, Satan entered into him. He was there. He was there. Satan was there. It indicates to me that no matter where we are, whether in an assembly of the saints, one of the churches of the Lord, whether you're in your home, you're in about town, wherever you may be, be on guard of the wiles of the devil. Wherever you go, carry with you the whole armor of God. Don't leave a piece behind. We have the whole armor of God in order that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. One more place I'll show you is in Acts in chapter 5. Again, it's a very familiar account, I guess. Ananias and his wife, Sapphira. 
they really messed up. But Satan was among them. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. I'm going to stop there. There would have been nothing wrong with selling a, a piece of land, whatever it may be, and keeping part of it for yourself and giving the other part to the Lord's church. Nothing wrong with that unless, unless you have indicated I'm giving it all. And you make the pretense I'm giving it all. To me, it would be the very same thing if you come into this assembly and you give the pretense of giving a tithe plus an offering, but yet you're keeping back a part for yourself. If you look in verse 3, Peter asks Ananias, Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back a part of the price of the land? He said, while it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thy, thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Why had, did Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, conceive such a plot? But Peter hit the nail on the head in verse 2. Satan hath filled your heart. Satan hath filled your heart. I don't know anything about the background of Ananias and Sapphira. It just appears like they were faithful church members. Greed, other things put in their heart by Satan. Verse 3, Satan hath filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. I'll mention again, and I'll bring this to a close, in Ephesians and in chapter 6, put on the whole armor of God. Not only in order to stand, but as it says in verse 13, to withstand whatever may come also. Sometimes it's easy to stand if you don't have to withstand. But it seems as if saints of God must do both. We stand by the power of God. We stand in His strength. But be assured, something's coming. Something's coming. And you need to be able to withstand it. Withstand.